Thought Bubble Audio. Welcome to Season 5 of Supergirl TV Talk. This is the podcast where we talk to you about the CW's hit show, Supergirl. I'm Frank, and with me, as always, uh, for five solid seasons now, is my good friend, Tim. Hello, it's me. I'm your friend. I'm here for five years. That's crazy, Frank. Yeah. I really didn't... Not that I thought the show was going anywhere, but I... There was a... I just can't believe that we're doing... This is five. We're five? doing it. Five. five season five still alive baby wow that's good uh 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 season five still season alive. five uh 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 season five uh, nice. sings back less than a minute in yeah, i was gonna say if you had uh <laughs> tim sings a song on your bingo cards uh check that one off right now <gasps> supergirl tv talk bingo cards need those if someone wants we to design those, what are the tropes, right? Like, I wanted someone to tell me, what, what are the tropes? So, Tim singing is one. Uh, me not being able to make a decision about what my favorite is. Uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a few things. There's a few things. Uh, but, hey, hey, buddy. It's good to be back. Uh, I mean, not that I wasn't talking to you. We've been podcasting at Beer with Geeks all summer. But, but hi. I literally chatted with you for about a half an hour before we even started recording That's this. True. But, yes. Yes. Hello. Life is Life is good. Life is grand. Um. So grab yourself a one man band. Mm. Grab grab Bert from Mary Poppins. Oh yeah, that's yeah bad bad uh, English accent and all. But of course, that's part of the charm. It is really really is. That's part of the fun. I I agree. Uh, the other thing that's part of the fun uh, is our mailbag. <gasps> mailbag mailbag. Let's take a look inside the mailbag. This is wow, a lot of songs. Today. Yeah, I apologize. This is Supergirl, not Spider Girl. But anyway, um, mailbag, mailbag. Let's look inside the big mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> Excessive singing brought to you by Tim <laughs> Gannon. Uh, so we've got an email here from uh, Sam. Uh, Sam email us at mail at supergirltvtalk.com uh, Sam says recently started listening to the podcast two weeks ago while having a withdrawal can't get enough been trying so hard to catch up on your knowledge of all things comic books slash Supergirl is absolutely astounding thank you um, uh, she says some other lovely very nice things I'm not going to just read about us uh, but she says uh, my heart kept going on a crazy roller coaster this episode between the ups and downs for Super Corp and Andrea at Catco then James quitting uh, what came as the biggest shock to you this episode I was also devastated to find out Lena is just playing with Kara uh, thoughts on where you think Lena's arc will take her this season uh, love you guys hashtag new favorite podcast Sam. Well, thank you, Sam. That's very, very kind of you. I th I know we're going to touch on a lot of this stuff later as we as the episode unfolds. Um, but uh, I, I will say the biggest shock uh, that I had this episode was maybe at how much uh, Brandy was worried about her suit, worried about the cape. That was just that was the biggest. No, <laughs> I think the Lena thing was my biggest shock for me. I the way she was handling it. I think her revealing her identity in the first episode mm, true, was my biggest true. That shock. Was, that was pretty... Yeah, actually, that's true. I was not expecting that. I really wasn't expecting her to just blurt it out. I really thought this is what we were going to be playing with for the season, and it screwed up Storytime Village. <laughs> as we will see. As we will see. I had to do some reworking afterwards, um, but that's what you get for trying to analyze something before it's done. Yeah, yeah. But um, it... Yeah, I think that was that was probably my biggest shock. Like it was Lena's biggest shock, right? But you know, we, Lena knew her identity, and I knew her identity. I just didn't expect that to happen right. at that moment. Right, right. And neither did Lena. Right? She was like, "Okay, all right, all right." Yeah, Roll you're right. That the, was the biggest shock with the punches. That was that was certainly the biggest shock. Um, I I was surprised at the way Lena decided to handle it, but we'll, we will get into that. After. We'll get into that. Yes. Uh, another email comes from Gabby who says, super cool episode, like the new suit. Is it just me, or Melissa got some bigger muscles in those arms? Fill up the suit quite nicely, like her hair, just one thing. You're all on a three-year contract, right? Remember that? Andrea Rojas says you're all on a three-year And sure. Gabby says, don't you have to sign a contract 
first. Yes. Yes. And it's a new owner. I had questions. I had so many questions had, about that piece. I had questions. Yeah. And I don't even work in the... I don't even work in... Like corporate. That, the corporate world. Yeah. I don't work in corporate America. And... I do. I had I had many questions. I do, and in order to do something like like, uh, there's no way your your uh, uh, employer can just say you you've signed a contract without you knowing about it. They would have to be like, here's this contract, can you please sign it? Now they could be shady about the way they do it. They could they could maybe be underhanded about what they're making you think you're signing, but that would be sh- sh- shady at best, possibly illegal. Well, and well, so there's my- no way you would not know. Here's my question: Is that the contract they signed with Lena? And the new owner has adopted that contract, so they haven't signed a contract with the new I, owner. I, I, I mean, I, I they definitely didn't sign a contract with Andrea. Um, did they sign a contract with Lena? Maybe, but they would know that, and so then they wouldn't be threatening her like we're all going to leave. Well, you already signed the contract, so you can't. You wouldn't be th- like I just don't understand. Or maybe they didn't expect her to know that. Uh, maybe I, I, I don't or, know, but. Or maybe like an employee, they forgot they signed a contract be. because could that's be, what be. employees do, right? That is you know. possible. But so, um, yeah, that was yeah. that was kind of an interesting. Uh, I, I I have to agree with I have to agree with you there, Gabby. I did, that didn't really make. I was kind of knocking that around my head too, and couldn't quite quite make sense of it. But um, that's all good. It's all good. Uh, we also got a lot of great feedback. Uh, on Twitter from a lot of folks, and and generally the feedback around this episode was really really positive. Uh, so I, I'm I'm super excited at uh, uh, we I, we had some really good conversations on Twitter live tweeting the the show last night. Um, I'm excited for a new season of talking with the with our 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 friends our listeners. Um, I I I just really really have enjoyed that uh, that whole thing. Jalen says this premiere was uh, beautiful. I love Melissa's new hairstyle. Um, I uh, really liked uh, a good conversation that uh, uh, Brian and Kendall uh, and I all had talking about uh, Lena and and the way she handled that. Chris loves Sanvers uh, and I talked about uh, 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 Cara's reaction to pants. So it was all all good stuff, all good stuff all around. Thank you to everyone who who live tweeted with us uh, during the show uh, at TV Supergirl. Everyone who emailed us mail at Supergirl TV Talk. Dot com. You guys make it really fun to do uh, to do this show. So thank thank you thank you so much for uh, for chatting with us. That's all I got for emails. Uh, Wonderful. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Uh, Will that allow me to tell you, Frank, that you have something else to say? Because I cut you off. No. Where are we headed next? Where where oh, where well, are you taking me on this journey of ours uh, next? I'm taking you to season five, episode one, titled Event Horizon, which worked as a, on a double level because an event was coming this season. It's the horizon of the season, this event that is approaching us. But also there was an actual event horizon in the episode. That's, so, that's true. Know, it worked really well. And I guess it worked at a third if you count Crisis coming. So it's like the season's coming and Crisis is coming. And there was an actual event horizon in the show. And maybe some allusions to the movie Event Horizon, mm. in which I've never seen, so I actually couldn't tell you if there was one or not. I don't think there was. Uh, written by Derek Simon and Nikki Holcomb, directed by Jesse Warren, who also, I believe, directed the, um, I believe, directed the finale. So it was like back to back. Jesse just all over the place. Indeed. Frank, we're going to go in a, a slightly different order this year because we used to hop around, and I don't like that anymore, so... And I made charts and Ooh. Gra- graphs and there See, are tables and stuff. This is what happens when we leave the little red book, the little blue book, the little green book behind, and we move to the little iPad book. Yep, indeed. So Get all now everything's in, everything's in, in tables, and it's much easier to follow. And so we're going to start with that was a good bit, which is essentially, if you're new to the show, that's like our kind of our way of saying, you know, like, that part was fun. It didn't fit into the larger context of the story maybe or some of the larger themes that the season is playing with but it was fun to watch in this one episode um and a little bit of easter eggy and then professor comics corner you know we're going to talk about some of the comic book influences of some of these characters and where they come from and then storytime village which are the big themes that the episode is tackling and then that the uh season as a whole is tackling right on and then and then of course trailer tv talk which we'll save to the end yes. because it's the trailer it follows behind like a trailer. <laughs> it trails. 
exactly. But that's why they're called trailers. They right? used to play after the movie in the theater. That that's right. And the trailers for Ep- TV still play after the episode. That's right. So yeah, so they work. Frank, here we go. That was a good bit. Kara winning a Pulitzer. Good for her. I was very happy about that. I was very happy about the dedication to journalism in general in this episode, but that was really cool because in the past, Lois has won a Pulitzer. That's kind of, you know, generally mm-hmm. part of canon. Um, and she has in this. In this that's right. She, in this iteration. They've, they've, they have mentioned that before. Yeah. So, so that's really cool. Um, I, I love that. I love how much Kara is just like a, a like in the last couple of years has become such a like hardened, like I don't mean hardened in a bad way, but like a tried and true journalist, like died in the wool. This is her thing. Yeah. Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, I loved the continuing running motif of the greatest movie villain of all time. Conversation. Yes. Oh man. And I, I liked that. Kelly and Alex both chose Han Gruber. You know my heart. Yes. Yeah. I I liked that. Don't agree, but okay. I in, I enjoyed that. He is a great villain. Maybe not the best, but I loved that Brainy had an answer that was not only unusual but actually tied to himself. And I that that was so intriguing to me that he's like, I'm serious as the pursed lips of Miranda Priestly. That was so bizarre and so wonderful. I, I really I really enjoyed that you know and he says that she's cold and uncaring and betrays the people that she cares about the most and he was worried that that is part of him yes and we're scared a good vi- we're scared of villains sometimes because we see ourselves in them we see the worst parts of ourselves acted upon right the things we wouldn't dare think of or do or something like that sometimes you can cheer for those people. And sometimes you don't, and it's a very fine line. Mm-hmm. And so I, Brainy gave that some serious thought, which I, I think it's funny that Alex's favorite villain is a terrorist and her job is like basically anti-terrorism. That's so true. But th- isn't that why, like, that's why she would consider that the, like the most like menacing villain, right? Because exactly. that's her, yeah. It, speak, it speaks to her, right? Exactly. I, and maybe Kelly because he's cool. I don't know. I don't know. He's cool like Kelly. I enjoyed that. Um, uh, the Lost World of Krypton exhibit, very cool set, very cool set piece with the dinosaur because Melissa loves dinosaurs. Yes, I mean, I mean, we all love dinosaurs. Yeah, let's, but Melissa has a special place in her heart for dinosaurs, as do you. Oh my gosh, dinosaurs are the best. I'm actually looking at one on my desk right now. I I I have to agree, dinosaurs are the best. They are the best. No, it was also one of the best. Kara landing on the banner of Lex Luthor and her going ew ew. I know that was great. Oh, that was, was so great. I, mm-hmm. I, I briefly mentioned this earlier, but come on, one of the best moments, the most gifable moment of the whole episode was probably pants, pants. I was going in order, but yes. Oh, okay, fair enough. I I'm kind of. I was so you were so close to pants. I loved, I I loved. That's what she got excited about. Mm-hmm. She wasn't excited about the nanotech or. Um, like the the different shades of blue or anything like that. Pants, pants, which like Love the pants. honestly, fair, fair. It's cold in National City, yeah, right? Desert City, yeah. Gets cold in the desert, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about Kara's super suit. Actually, so capes are important. Take that Edna mode. Yeah, that's right. No capes. Mm-hmm. No capes. Uh, I liked the microscopic costume on the glasses it was it kind of reminded me of the flash's ring yes but even me too. even yes but even more than that this is kind of a 90s kid thing it reminded me of spider-man unlimited oh um, which was a, a one season show on fox where like spider-man goes to another dimension but he gets a new suit before he goes and it's nanotech and it, it crawls onto him very similar to how it crawled onto her like over her clothes Reminded me of that. It was also, I think, I think the idea really came from Iron Man's I, nanotech. That was my first thought, yes. Yes. Yeah, but I, for some reason I thought of Spider-Man first. Maybe because that came out before Iron Man's sure. nanotech. That but makes either sense. Way, either way, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed all of that. Even that it's actually on her glasses, like Tony's is on his glasses. I know. Like he'd click it in Infinity War and that's where it, 
Did he click that or did he click his chess piece? I don't actually? remember I exactly in Infinity piece. War. I, I get confused about which, which film, but I do remember the, it being in the glasses at some point, whether that was Infinity I think that was Infinity War, I think. I get the films mixed up. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Either way, the suit is cool, and I really like it. She actually feels on screen. I think her she has a bigger presence for some reason now. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Um it could be the even just the different shades of blue. I, yeah, actually. like I, she stands out a little bit more. Yeah, I think she does. Someone also said that they think she she, I think the the suit gives her more muscles than the other than the the skirt did. Uh, you know, yes. certainly. So I think that that has a lot to do with it too. I think so too. Uh, I love Brainy's line. This is no time for sarcasm, no matter how dry or well crafted. <laughs> oh great. man, fabulous line. Uh, there was a Lord Tech box or bag or something Ooh, like that. Did you catch that? I did not catch that. I love that. Me too. I just made... Uh, I was like, oh, Maxwell Lord, I miss him. What are you up to, Maxwell Lord? I haven't heard from you in four years. Yeah, man. I yeah. Oh, I would love to have him come back. I, I doubt it'll ever happen, but I would love to have that storyline get picked up again. He was he was good. He, he was good. Yeah, that was real fun. That was really so, fun. So much to catch him up on. Yeah. So much has happened. So about Alex... Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, speaking of that, Alex and Kelly are in a relationship, and it's great. And it's great. I like that. I liked the jump where we didn't have to see like their awkward like relationship yes. goings on or whatever. They're just they're together and they're having a good time, and that's great. Leave it. I don't need no relationship woes. Don't I, touch I'm, it. I, let Alex be happy. The mm-hmm. last couple years, Alex has not been happy. You know, basically, since Maggie left, she's been going through some stuff. Let she deserves poor woman deserves to be happy. Let her be happy. Yeah, she really does. She she absolutely does. And actually, I did see an interview where they said that they're they're not going to explore their relationship until after crisis. Great. Like, let them just, just be. Let them just mm-hmm. be. Not everything. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't always have to be. Not every. Um, not every relationship is always exploring is always in turmoil is always in drama it's fine it's fine to let them just be happy and then if something happens after crisis then something happens after crisis that's fine but right and honestly when like the more turmoil and drama there is when you watch on screen you start to wonder if these two people actually belong to together at a certain point right yeah you're supposed to be like wait a second mm-hmm, exactly uh i love alex's line how do you guys change so fast because she was the yes. one that didn't change Everybody had their costumes with them. Even James had his guardian outfit yeah. with him for some reason. For some reason. And um and just like, how do you guys change so fast? Well, Kara has the new suit and um guess Jean is always wearing his suit. And I, I can't speak for Dreamer <laughs> or Guardian, but the rest was great. I liked Kara's line, we can't let bad at, bad odds stop us from what we know we are doing is right. Um this very very super family. It's a very super family way of saying never tell me the odds. That's exactly It's <laughs> exactly what I thought. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end we got to see Eve. She was yes. black bagged. Yes. Leviathan or something, maybe yeah. who's to say. But props. Props. Okay. All right, moving on. Professor Comics. Oh, so you have any more good bits you want to throw in there? No, nah, you nailed it, man. You nailed it. Yeah. Professor Comics Corner. Uh, there were there were some nice there was some nice stuff here some nice comic book um, references and and hidden things that's what Professor Comics Corner is we start talking about what what are sort of the Easter eggs and the hidden references that uh, you might not know unless you are a big comics fan which uh, luckily Tim and I both are indeed so there are three that I'm pulling out and they're mostly characters um, first is Andrea Rojas uh, she is. She is a super. I mean, it's obviously she's not a. She's not their friend. Yeah, (laughs) we can say that she's maybe the villain for the season. Uh, She is a super villain called Akrata, and she uh, first appeared in Planet DC Annuals uh, in Superman Annual Volume Two, Number Twelve, back in two thousand. So she's less than twenty years old, which is fairly new for characters that stick around. Oh, for sure. Uh, she was created uh, created by Oscar Pinto, Giovanni Barberi, and F.G. Uh, Hagenbeck. Her supervillain outfit, when she has one, has this like black. It's like a black suit with green stripes on the side, but she has a Mayan symbol, uh, the Mayan symbol for night on her forehead, 
and she, her powers are that she can teleport whenever she's in shadow. Um, and she's allegedly a talented hand-to-hand -hand fighter. So we'll see what they what they do with her in right. the show. So her being this like you know obsidian black is kind of her reference to the shadow. Yeah, thing and, exactly. You know, yeah. The, yeah. So which is cool. Um, we'll see what she what she does and how far that goes. But I thought she made a pretty powerful impact right from the beginning. For sure, she did. Um, and she like. She made a splash. She made a splash, and and maybe the most sort of one of the more clever things that they did in in introducing her was that they kind of reset the daily the daily planet. Uh, they reset Catco by making James like one of the gang again. You know, he's not the boss anymore, and it kind of puts the dynamic back to where it used to be a couple seasons ago before he took over. That's a really good point, which I I had not considered that he is kind of one of the gang again. Yeah, and even like kind of removed from the gang now that he's left Cat Go, right? Uh, which we can we'll talk we'll talk about coming up. Uh, next up is the character of Midnight, mm -hmm. who's get this, whose real name is Dave Clark. Mm. He's a fictional character owned by DC Comics, originally appearing in Quality Comics back in the 30s and 40s. And um, Quality Comics was eventually bought out um, by DC Comics in 1956. And he's really never shown up since. And so the character of Midnight in this show literally just takes the name and the powers and that's it. That's so weird. So, yeah, that it's gender bent. And it's, it's so, so this connection to John Jones all made up for the show. They just totally. took the name. They were like, there's someone named Midnight. Cool. Yep. That that works. Good. Good stuff. So where John was like, no one knows where she came from and everything like that. That's because she came for quality comics in the thirties, <laughs> and her name is Dave Clark. Dave Clark. Dave. There was a band called the Dave Clark Five in the sixties that, yeah. that had some, yeah, 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 sort of Beatleish sounding hits. That's fun. Cool, yeah. Dave Clark. All right, Midnight. Midnight, and then finally, which I actually talked about last season at the end, but Melophilic Jones uh, or Jones Melophilic Jones. Um, Created by John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake, he is, first appeared in 1998 in Martian Manhunter issue zero, and he is he is kind of the he is the Martian Manhunter's big bad, right? Yep, yep. Um, and, that and that's another. I mean, that's another character that only goes back you know 20 years or so. 20, 20 years. yeah, just about. And the the brother thing that they brought up here is to my knowledge not a part of of the of the Martian Manhunter relationship with him or it wasn't originally part of their relationship i will admittedly say i have not read the latest Martian Manhunter miniseries uh that dc just put out because i was waiting for it to be done so i could read it right um right but um yeah so um Wait, oh, maybe he was. Now Now I'm confused. Hold on. I've got something to read. <laughs> Melifolic was the architect of the extinction-level event, which has since become known as Romnir's Curse, or Romnir's Plague, which we, we've seen in previous seasons. A plague of fire, this curse attacked Martians via their telepathic abilities. Whenever a Martian attempted to use their psionic gifts or commune with the Great Mind, they would fall victim to the curse and ultimately burn to death. With the exception of Melifolic's brother, Jean and himself, Oh, yeah, so they are yes, brothers. Yes, they are brothers, go. yeah. Nearly okay. all green Martians on the planet died as a result of Malifolic's handiwork. For centuries, Malifolic continued to live in the ruins of, ruins of Mars, unaware that his brother had survived the plague and had been transported through space and time to the planet Earth. I don't know why I didn't think they were brothers, but that's okay. That's okay. They are brothers. They are, brother. Um, they, they, uh, they are, and uh, interesting the way that they have set it up that Jean doesn't remember that um yeah well i think there's actually a reason for that mm. so you know, i'm gonna re run a real little further frank we'll, we'll... during their earlier years both melifolic and jean underwent the ritual of Guamkul, which i'm sure i'm not saying correctly and the show will fix that in which each permanently exchanged a portion of their psyches with each other due to the ritual the psychic remnant of melifolic living within jean jean's mind managed to bury the similar remnants of his brother's wife and daughter this fragment 
Malfog then torments his brother with twisted false memories of his life on Earth and so on and so on and so on. But so maybe they're they're going to change that for the show. But there's some kind of psychic exchange that, you know, maybe hides. Sure. You know, sure. Because John's like, I don't have a brother. And I'm like, right. Metaphorical or literal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 And 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 weird that when they hung out with he hung out with his dad a bunch the last no, no one no one talked about it no one it's just the, the the awkward family secret no one talks about right well i mean doesn't everyone have like an like oh, sure i have a secret sibling we don't talk about it's uh, very common i meant more like everyone <laughs> has a member of the family that's like kind of the black sheep that sure. you know like if you want to have a good time you don't you don't mention Auntie Carol. Sure, or, sure, yeah. You yeah. know, bad business deals no, or I, whatever. Actually, yes, yes. I have, for sure, there are people that we just don't talk about because then it's just like, oh, you know, it brings up bad memories or whatever, and we just just leave it off to the side. Right. Off to the yep. side. We, exactly. It's not like they made Malaflawic up, you know. No, I mean, the characters season. existed for like 20 years, yeah. I'm glad that it took this long for him to show up. Yeah, me that too. That sense. feels like appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. Because he feels more important. The villains that show up later feel more important. Because yeah. you know, like, you know, oh, you're still learning or whatever. You can dispatch them pretty quickly. But the later you go, the harder they get. That's right. Like a video, like a video game. That's that's right. The bosses get bigger. Indeed, Frank. Did you notice any other East comic book Easter eggs? Uh, no, 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 nothing else. Uh, that that comes to mind at the moment. Those were good. Those Thank were good. You. Those were fun. This was a. This had some good meaty, juicy stuff to sort of, you know, to pick off it's here. A, yeah, it's always easy when new characters show up. It's easy to be like, oh, this is who this person comes from. That's right. the middle of the season when there's nobody new. That's when it gets really complicated. Yeah, that's that's when we're getting into the sort of like, oh, did you notice that they mentioned this thing that's a reference to this one issue of Action Comics from 1997? Basically, yeah, basically. I mean, you could argue that. Kara's final conversation with Lena out on the balcony. She, Lena was wearing green. That's very telling because because Luthers wear green and purple. That's right. And so she's so this was a super versus a Luther. That's right. And in that conversation, it's very subtle, but she's she's full Luther in that moment. She's not Kara's friend anymore. Now she's now she's a Luther and she wears that green. Um in that in that confrontation so wow like, there are there are things i know that's why this show is is good frank but also this show is good because of storytime village and the themes that we're going to talk about and of course they always kind of some pick up more than others in the show and some bleed into one another as good themes do but um first we've got this kind of over-reliance on technology which is kind of you can see like this is the blanket of what we're doing this season they don't really they don't go into it too much, but there's Lena's new AI, in you know, which she has named Hope for some reason. So, Frank, what is Lena hoping for? She could have named that AI anything. She's she hoping hope. for revenge. That's good. She's hoping for Kinda revenge, is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I see. I took that more as um, uh, Lex's assistant's. Uh, well, Lex's assistant was named Mercy. And so now she has an assistant, an electronic assistant named Hope. <gasps> oh, that's really good. I did not consider that at all. Mercy and Hope. Mercy and Hope. And so we need some loves. Yeah. Some charities. Yeah. 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 Faith. Faith. Mm, that's good. I did not. But the not greatest of these that. is Otis. <laughs> uh, Otis Bird. <laughs> So anyway, so there's Lena's new AI, and then in conjunction with that, there's the VR contact from Obsidian North. You know? Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, creepy looking. Very creepy. And and honestly, not that far away, probably, from, from where our technology is today. Like, it's not the craziest idea. It was creepy looking, for sure. But once they explained it, it's like, eh. We're probably going to have augmented reality glasses soon, so contacts don't seem like that much of a leap. Right, exactly. I mean, your phone does augmented reality, and so the next step would be glasses. Yep. And then the step after, and then the step after that is contacts. So, right. you know, and these shows always play tech a little bit at 
a little bit more advanced than what we have. That's right. Yeah, it's always just a little bit futuristic. Right. So, I, I, it's funny that it, it didn't explore it this episode really at all. But I was like, "Ooh, this, the implications are not good." Right. No. Yeah, because we're in goggles right now. We're in like VR goggle mode. That's it. But yeah, but to walk around like that, I. And then, of course, there was the excellent trope of Kara almost spilling coffee at the beginning of every season. Yes. Which I think is almost the thing that happens. I'd have to go back and look at every first episode, but it definitely happens in the pilot, and it happened here. So I wonder if it if that's a like a thing that happens every year and nobody's noticed. I wonder if it's every year in the pilot. It's certainly something that happens. Yeah, probably. It probably not pilot premiere. Uh, probably in every premiere, likely because it's sort of like resetting and and reminding you. Like they do, they do little character moments to remind you, like who everybody is, who the players are, and like, hey, remember that Kara is really clumsy, and remember that like Alex is a badass. Remember, that? and that's kind of like the thing to remind you that Kara is clumsy is like spilling coffee. Mm-hmm. You know she's what it was cool last year? The suit last year it was. Um, it was somebody else spilled the coffee in the, uh, uh, I'll think of it later. We'll, we'll come back, but it was dreamer. It was Nia. It was, it was Nia. They were in the elevator and mm-hmm. Nia was supposed to bring Kara coffee and she like spilled it in the, in the elevator or it got cold that's, or something. That's, that's yeah. what it was. It got cold. Yeah. So yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, that's that's it. a, it, that's a thing that happens every, I want to say every premiere. I love, I love that. that. Hmm. I love that. Hmm. Anyway, Frank, that's pretty much all I have for the over-reliance on technology. Like I said, it's not really something that sure. they spent too much time on, but what is a premiere if not a big old setup? That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's a setup for the season. Yeah. Um, the, the big one that they really focused on, which kind of runs a lot throughout Supergirl, is this secrets and trust you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, who you yeah. trust to, with your secrets and, you know, keeping them and whatever else. But they kind of expanded on that this season to look at whether secrets and trust and how you use them for good or for evil. You know, whether you're using them for, you know, for, for good reasons or for bad reasons. And so they're really looking at this from Lena and Kara's perspective and their relationship that Lena is hurt, that Kara has lied to her about being Supergirl and Kara is also struggling to tell Lena independently, not knowing that Lena knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She feels that the time is is right. She needs to she needs to come clean on all this. Um and yeah, that's definitely been a major a major theme between the two of them. But you're right in the sense that it's it's also like toying with the idea of like when it's the right thing to keep a secret. Right, because last season was all about telling the truth, and like you have to get the truth out there. And I think that kind of like goes into like clicks versus news and and things like that. Another idea that they're kind of yes. that they're kind of playing with. But James James is kind of opening monologue to his crew in the meeting is you know like do the research, get the facts, put it out there, and then maybe you'll win a Pulitzer as he's looking at Car and and stuff. But this they want to put. They want to put the news out there because people deserve the truth. But, and Lena also feels that she deserves the truth by getting the news. But is that, but is, is the truth always the most be- beneficial thing? Right. Are there times, are there times when you can, where you can legitimately protect somebody by by not giving them the truth, or where where it's where the truth is more hurtful uh, than not, right? Like if you looked like a giant pear in your t shirt, am I? If you're walking around the house, I, I can keep that to myself. Sure, you know. But if you know we're gonna go to a gala, maybe maybe you you should change, you know. So, uh, for the record, you don't look like a pear. Your t-shirt is not even that color. That, so, that's true. So, how could I possibly? And I can only see your shoulders. That's, so, yeah. yeah. Kind of by so, design. Also, it's weird that I can only see your shoulders because yeah. I am used to looking at your face. Mm. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. 
I think my favorite thing about making a stupid joke is when you laugh and call it stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can count on it. Thank you. Just like I can count on Supergirl. Oh, anyway. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I liked... We could... Secrets go into, like, Kara revealing herself to, to Lena. We can talk about that. I, I have what she what she said. I kind of wrote some of it down. She said, I was, I was a coward, and I hope that you don't feel like I made you out to be too much of a fool by keeping you in the dark, is what... Um, is what Lena said to Kara when when Kara confronts her about Andrea Rojas. Right. So it's, that was such a great scene because it was so it was so well layered. Everything everything Lena said had a double meaning. So much layering. Like so many double meanings to everything. Uh a classic Luther, right? Like that's what Luthers do. They're like you don't even know it, but I'm making a reference to Ovid right now. Like it is like completely like <laughs> obscure reference. Ovid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. No, <sighs> but that I think so. Like at the beginning, Lena says, you know, Lena says this like kind of tying into secrets and lies and good and evil. They they're doing this like shades of villainy thing. You know, what does it mean to actually, what does it mean to be a villain? And I think we're going to look at three different types of villains this season. I think that's kind of what they're setting up. We're going to look at Lena and Andrea Rojas and then uh, Leviathan, or maybe four, Leviathan and uh, Melifolic, um and maybe Midnight. I don't know how long Midnight's sticking around. Yeah. But, um, like, what are these, what are the types of villains that are out there? And sure. who, be, who, how do you define what a villain is as opposed as opposed to like some of these previous seasons where we've looked at what heroism heroism is now we're looking at you know like are these people truly bad because lena says she wants supergirl to experience her shame and hurt but she doesn't want to kill her but do you have to kill somebody to be considered a villain or can you can you be a bad guy without killing people Many people would say yes. Oh, a thousand percent. You can be a villain without killing anybody. You can be a villain if you just rob banks. You can be a villain if you just... What she's trying to do is is kind of psychological torture. Um, right. It's Ooh, it's revenge. It. She mm-hmm. wants revenge. She wants to make... She it's wants to inflict... Monte Cristo revenge. Yeah. She, exactly. Inflicting the same pain upon the person who, who caused you pain. Um, so... Yeah, I would say that's that's becoming kind of villainous. It depends how far she takes it. Uh, but uh, for sure, it, it is going down the path of villainy. Right. And, and But do, is Kara's lie worth all of this? Does the punishment fit the crime? Right. Yeah. No. I don't. I kind of don't think so, especially because she came clean. Like, especially because she did not need to be, she wasn't forced into it. She, it wasn't like she had no choice. She, of her own free will, and especially as far as Lena knows, of her own free will, just just told her, like, listen, I value our friendship too much. I want to tell you the truth. Here's the story. Um, if I'm Lena, I would have a real hard time staying mad at her after that, but, or, 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 or wanting revenge still like being disappointed being angry i guess is one thing but still saying i still want my revenge that's oof. Mm-hmm. I, I would say at that point it certainly doesn't fit the crime anymore no no it, it, I, I agree it doesn't and and so anyway so to go back to their kind of their dual conversations that go back and forth you know lena says that she was a coward and she should have told her but it was all set up she's like saying like you're the coward mm-hmm. and you know, you should have told me and you shouldn't have kept me in the dark and things like that. And so when Kara does unleash and, and tells her this this secret, she says, I was selfish and scared. I didn't want to lose you. You know, I'm so sorry. Um, And, and then Lena is clearly shocked and not like Luther pretending shocked. Like she's absolutely shocked that Kara told her it was not expected. Both women acted the hell out of that scene. It yes. was so good. That was some A plus top notch acting. I thought that was 
fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was some of their best work, and, oh, it, and yeah. it came so strong early in the uh, early in the season. I was I was so thrilled. So then, so then Lena gives this speech. You know, we're back around to the you know double meanings, and she says the world is full of liars. The truth isn't easy, and not for the faint of heart. Forging the path to the truth is like climbing a mountain. And we are always better for her efforts. Thank you for reminding us that the truth is important, even when it's not easy to accept. Uh, and you're just lying. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like again, so many like layers to it, right? Which, like the world is full of liars. Parentheses, and I'm one of. And them. I'm one of them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This was some classic Luther man. Well, classic well, no, what's, Luthers. What's even more classic is that Andrea and Lena, who know each other from boarding school and have made this deal, and they said, "Oh, if we're going to work together in the future." Blah blah blah. And Andrea goes back on her word. You know, shows up a couple hours early, and Catco throws off Lena's plans. So then Lena says. I'm still going to send you that story because I'm a woman of my word. Like, I'm going to throw that in your face. And then she doesn't. And then she doesn't <laughs> send the story. It's so true. Like, it's so true. Oh, my gosh. Like, they just, like. Everyone sucks here. Like, oh, everyone. No kidding. No kidding. Oh, There's man. so many lies and double and backing up and, like, trickery like backstabbing it, and you know it's funny because just watching the episode i was like yeah that was good that was a good episode but then talking about the episode as we always do it's so meticulously put together that's right and and you don't get that because it's such a breezy watch and yeah you know it's a breezy watch you know that's the that's the beauty of these shows you know you can sit and you can relax and you can entertain yourself and turn your brain off or you can look at it this way and see how much work goes into compiling all of these scenes to to fit the whole it's very it, it was a really strong episode agreed and then this last kind of you know kind of theme they're going with is this clicks versus news you know so it was been like the truth of journalism for a few seasons pretty much since season two snapper car mm-hmm. and a little bit of season one because Catco was kind of sensationalism before. Oh, yeah. You know, but like it was a Run- magazine. It wasn't a newspaper. It wasn't a serious journalistic uh, enterprise. Right, right. They really transformed, James transformed that over the next couple of years. And then he, then he has to admit that no readership is down and that, um, you know, Rojas says that everything is about clicks. The measure of worth is on a click. Mm. And, um, and so she brings in William Day to kind of be the, antithesis to Kara because Kara's going to fight for what she sees as unbiased journalism which she struggled with in earlier seasons as we recall remember some of those stories and we were like no Kara yeah no that's you're very biased you're very right biased now. yeah no so she's she's come a long long way and and day is a do whatever the the man do whatever the boss says kind of guy He's yeah like, like I his for, I, yeah his his morals are determined by his paycheck like whatever uh it is it is convenient uh for him to believe in that's what he believes in at the moment right he doesn't it's go ahead he doesn't really have his own principles he's just sort of goes with whatever uh his employer requires of him at the moment right which we could look at objectively and be like that's wrong Mm. that's not what you should do realistically that's what most people do uh yeah because they need that paycheck, they That's need right. to pay their bills, feed their families. Mm-hmm. You know, you know whatever whatever the case is. And so he's he's made to look like a guy that's like, oh no, I don't know more. Whatever. I'm like, he's probably the most realistic person working there. It's right true. Now. It's true. But it's a very cynical. It's, you know, he's definitely there to sell to to uh, represent a very cynical uh, worldview. Yes. Yes. But I I think there's maybe more to him than meets the mm-hmm. eye. Mm-hmm. Also, William Day is not a comic character, so I have no idea what's up with him. We'll see. We'll, we'll find see. out. Indeed. Um, and then, of course, James quits, you know, journalistic integrity. Part of the adventure. I'm going to be in Mortal Kombat. That's whatever. it. <laughs> Bye. That would be kind of hilarious. if, it, Like, James, what are you doing? Like, oh, I heard about this fight tournament on an island <laughs> in, in the South China Sea. Finish go. him. 
I'm going to go figure out what that's about. Call me Jax. <laughs> I'm James Jax Olson. Yeah. Hilarious. So, Hilarious. Indeed. And that kind of wraps up, Professor. That kind of wraps up Storytime Village, Frank. Do you have anything that you'd like to add about this episode? Uh, this was, I thought, wh- what was your overall impression of this as a premiere? I thought it was actually pretty, pretty solid. I thought it was pretty solid. It's actually, for a premiere, um, really emotional. Yeah. It was yeah. a really emotional premiere episode. And normally they try to go big with like, oh, here's the, here's the big fight and the effects that you won't see again until the finale and like things like that. I didn't really feel like this episode had much of that. I mean, it had the black hole sequence. Um, it had the event horizon and it had the dinosaur fight, but those are things that I feel like I've seen in other, I've seen those things before on Supergirl. Sure. And so it, it didn't, those didn't feel extra special to me in any way. They felt pretty par for the course. Okay. But the emotional stakes were much yeah, higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree there. Um, I, that was sort of the big set piece of the episode. If there was one, it was that. It was that episode. Uh, that that scene um, with the uh, with the event horizon and everything. Something I really enjoyed from that sequence uh, was the use of the Muse song "Supermassive Black Hole" in the background. Uh, while there was a black hole that they were fighting, essentially. I didn't catch that, so that is great. I loved that, because I love Muse, so that made me really, my ears perked up right away. I loved that. And, uh, yeah, so that was some fun and clever stuff. I love that we got the Phantom Zone projector, uh, stuff, uh, in that sequence. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought there was a lot to enjoy. I thought there was a lot to enjoy. Um, it was heavy-handed at times, you know, all the stuff with Andrea Rojas, um, and her her whole approach to journalism and how clicks is everything uh, was a little heavy handed. Like, OK, I think we get it. She's the bad guy. <laughs> like, all right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm... I thought she was wearing a sash when we first saw her because her dress had like a white stripe. Part of her turndowns was a white stripe. Okay. And from far away, I thought she was wearing like a pageant sash. Oh, <laughs> and I was very confused for a little while. And I was like, oh, no, that's just your dress. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm back. I'm, I'm a little back. less confused now. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think it, it was it was probably not their strongest premiere. I, I I have to agree. I don't think it was the the like top strongest. Uh, but it was good. It was a very good premiere. It was very fun. Um, and I think it sets up things nicely. Um, there was definitely a good amount of intrigue and a good amount of some surprises that we weren't expecting. And uh, and at this point, I'm excited to see where the rest of the where they take us for the rest of the season. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's that's where I'm at. Me too, my friend. Me too. Well, Frank, then let's uh, why don't you wrap us out, and then we can do trailer TV talk. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about the trailer for uh, next week's episode 502. But if you don't uh, want to, if you're trying to look at the trailers, you don't want to know what's happening next. Uh, we'll say goodbye to you here. If you do want to see that you can uh, stick around and we'll, we'll chat about that in just a minute uh, but uh, for those of you not joining us thanks for listening uh, you can find us over at supergirltvtalk.com uh, you can find us at thoughtbubbleaudio.com where you'll find this show and a whole range of other shows including uh, Batwoman TV Talk uh, where if you enjoyed the uh, world's finest uh, lineup that we have on Sunday nights now you'll have to go check out Batwoman TV Talk uh, where uh, our friends Palmer and Michelle are covering uh, every episode of Batwoman, so please don't don't miss that. You find a whole host of other shows there, thoughtbubbleaudio.com as well, uh, and uh, you'll find us on Twitter at TV Supergirl and mail at uh, SupergirlTVTalk.com. And if you're enjoying our shows, uh, please consider uh, giving us uh, a buck or two over at patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio. Um, you know, it takes a lot to keep these shows going every week. Uh, it takes time. It takes money. It takes a lot of... Tim does a ton of uh, attention to detail and all the analysis that he pulls in. So if it means something to you, uh, you know, a dollar a month would really mean a lot to us to help us kind of keep the shows going, keep things, keep things moving. But those are all the ways to find us. Thank you so much to everyone who does support us on Patreon. Uh, extra goodies there, early access to shows, extra episodes of things. And that's going to continue. Um, 
thank you, thank you, thank you. And Tim, do you want to head on into trailer TV talk? Trailer TV talk. Uh, Frank, not tons happened in this trailer, honestly. They I mean, did not show us much. Uh, there is the sibling connection and uh, not not much else, really. We see... Yeah. We see Kara has a question that echoes the audience. You never mentioned a brother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's correct. It is correct. Uh, is correct. Yeah. Yeah. We see all kinds of siblings. We see the... We see the Martians, we see the Danverses, we see, I mean, we technically have the Olsons, and mm-hmm. I can see Kelly in the background of one of the shots, so technically we've got that. Um, a lot of siblings, and sibling rivalry is contagious, as the trailer tells us. Indeed it is. I am looking forward to it. I, I'm digging Mel Flawlick's costume. Yeah. Like, his his like dark robe thing kind of looks like Martian Emperor. Mmm, yeah. Martian the Emperor. Uh, so... I like that question. He, he Melifolic chooses to be a nine-year-old, eight-year-old girl when he's walking around. I yes, like to, I would like. I would like everyone to ponder that for a second. Mm-hmm. That is a mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. that he made, and made it for a little while because he hung around in that form. And that's. Did he feel like? That was the most incognito thing he could do. Did he kill that little girl and then take her form? And, like, why not a boy? Why a girl? Why not a tiny pig? Who's to say? (laughs) Well, it kind of makes me wonder if that ties back to something from his past with Jean on Mars. Very possible. Um, Yep, his daughter Kimberly. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't believe that is the name that I know. I'll give you Jean, and his brother's name is Melifolalic. <laughs> Come on. And Kim. And Kim. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, it's like, welcome to Star there. Wars. Here's Chewbacca, and here's Luke. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, but for some reason, maybe his la- with his last name, it sounds a little bit more far-flung. I guess, but it's still but like it words, Sky and Walker, you know? It is funny that like you have Han, Luke, and Leia. You're like, yeah, those are names. And then everybody else is just around them. <laughs> Does not have a normal name. So his name is Obi-Wan. Okay. But Ben for short. Got it. All right, cool, cool 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 cool, yep. cool, 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 Yeah, but then if you get into other, like, if you get into the prequels, it's Mace and Mace and Anakin and Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon and yeah. Jar Jar and Padamame and <laughs> Panda you know, Bear, whatever the hell her name yeah, is. Yeah, pa- uh, Padme and <laughs> you know, and then he get to, and then he gets to the future and it's Kylo and Ray and Finn and Poe. Like we don't name our kids these things, no. But you still have Han, Luke, and Leia. That's just uh, like straight lace. That's a normal name. Yep. So funny. Yep. I don't know, man. Don't know what to tell you. Don't know. Cool. All well, right, we Frank. managed to bring it back to Star Wars again. That's always good. That's what we do. <laughs> Well, Frank, and well, this was fun, but I'd say until next time, up, up, and away.